I wanted to take all the lessons I learned as a teacher and try to give a shortcut, not an unrealistic shortcut, but a shortcut to these young players. Hey everyone, welcome to Apex Golf IQ, the podcast where we help you become a smarter player with the club in and out of your hand. I'm KB Blanchard, and today I'm joined in the golf lab by Wyatt Larkin. How's it going, guys? Callahan Elsey. Hello, everybody. PGA Pro Quinn Griffin. Hello. And we make up the teachers and coaches of Apex Golf Lab. Um, today's topic is who we are as instructors and as individuals. Before we dive into that topic, though, I want to say don't forget to rate us and leave us a comment. All right, Cal. So since you're the newest hire here at Apex, what do you want to tell us about yourself? Uh, first things first, I just want to say hello to everybody. Um, my name is Callahan. I am a Fort Wayne native, born and raised. I played competitive golf since I was three years old. So I've been playing this game a long time. Until I was about in seventh grade, I had dreams of playing in the NBA, and that didn't go so well. I met Quinn right around eighth grade, and from there I kind of quit playing basketball, decided that golf was something that I really wanted to do. Quinn and I teamed up, worked with him for a super long time, and now I'm, yeah, so now I've ended up at Apex as a head instructor, yeah, yeah. which I didn't necessarily see seven, eight years ago, but yeah, really glad to be here. It's been awesome so far. Yeah, we're definitely glad to have you on the team. 100%. It's been great. I couldn't imagine a better job. doesn't feel like work every day. I come in here and help people get better at the game. It's just, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, I mean, people say if you, uh, if you work and do something you love, you never work a day in your life. Exactly, right? that's how I right? feel. So Wyatt, uh, as far as you, a couple quick things about your, your golfing career. Give me some background on yourself. Well, I'm a Georgia boy, to be honest, though. I was born in Bradenton, Florida. Basically the, the hot spot for golf in the United States. You got IMG Academy, Ledbetter down there, and... Orlando, but I moved to North Georgia. I was four uh, and spent the rest of my life there. I was homeschooled to play golf around the world from seventh grade to graduation. Um, I played around the world, just traveled and played, and that's what I did. Grandparents took me to golf tournaments. Parents did. I mean, it was just a lot of fun. Just lived on the road, right? Yeah. Then played golf at Kennesaw State uh, University. Played D1 golf there for five years. Had one year that was a red shirt where I got injured. Now I play professionally. And now teach at Apex and got brought on by uh, by good old Quinn over yeah, here. Yeah, a couple right? months back. Just adding to the, adding to the team, right? Yeah. Adding to the team. Quinn, what about you? Well, it's interesting because I, I didn't grow up in a golf environment. I grew up in a, in a family with a lot of different sports. But I was caddying at this country club, this private club. And I was on the third hole in this uh, old-timer hit this cut over the fence out of bounds. And he got so mad he threw the club and it ricocheted and hit me in the shins. He didn't say anything. He didn't apologize or anything. He just walked down the fairway. And as I'm walking down the fairway with him, I'm going to myself, I'm going to whoop his booty next time. So it inspired me to be good for this guy kind of taking it out of him with his three where they shanked over the, over the uh, fence there. But, no, I've been a PGA member for 30 years. I've owned and operated two golf courses in Indiana the last 25 years. I've always taught golf because I have a passion for it. But the last... Basically, 10 years ago, I had this idea about really developing players. And so for the last 10 years, I've really been doing what KB talks about, you know, doing something that you just have a passion for. So I, I really love teaching. Kind of That kind of pertains to me. I came from a family with, with multiple sport backgrounds, but I focus mainly on baseball. I'm from Charleston, South Carolina, born and raised. Um, eventually met up with um, – a guy who owned the robot, Robo Golf Pro, named Scott Nye, um, and he got me to transfer up to Chicago, start teaching for him at his golf academy, uh, Torbound Golf Academy. 
And then from there, I was lucky enough to meet Quinn uh, about a year and a half ago, and he convinced me to come down here and start working for Apex. Um, and I've been down here ever since. Love everything I do every day. What's the biggest thing from the south to the north? Like oh, me? Oh, wise? goodness. Uh, as far as the southern and versus the northern states, definitely the weather is the biggest change for me. You know what my biggest problem is? What's that? They call soda pop. Oh, yeah. You know what? It's That's pop. another one that gets on it's my pop. nerves, too. No, you call it whatever. I don't even it's call pop. it soda. I call it whatever it is. Sprite, Coke, whatever. You're drinking Fanta. Exactly. That's a good one, too. Thank you. Yeah, Thank yeah. you for that. Yep. A southern boy's got to stick together, right? That's right. Yes, sir. So, KB, how did you uh, how did you get in, in golf? I know you got involved with Robo. So, what? how did that all start? Yeah, so that kind of started out. My cousin, uh, Mandy Von C., she actually used to work for Robo Golf Pro. She was the COO, and she kind of hooked me up with Scott and I, who then, like I said, hired me up there. I worked there, traveled with the robot uh, to multiple tournaments, PGA Tour events, PGA Champions Tour events, set it up. Um, and then from there, I really developed a love for the game. I was transferring from baseball. so And when that happened, Scott offered me that job in Chicago, and I took it and ran with it. And I wanted to hit the, hit the ground running and continue to grow my knowledge base and well, here. my wife Francine we went out pizza that one night. As we're leaving the hotel and we're, I mean, leaving the, the restaurant, and we're going back to the hotel. She goes, "You need to hire that young man. He's got passion. You like <laughs> well, that?" Well, I must. I might. I need to thank Mr. Miss Griffin for that. Definitely. Well, the pizza was really good, wasn't <laughs> yeah. it? The oh, Chicago the pizza doesn't get be any better, Can't right? Be deep dish. Yeah, absolutely. So, Wyatt, you know, junior golf to college golf—that is um, a really slippery slope. How did you navigate that minefield? You know, honestly, like going back, just thinking about it, like you played a lot of junior golf, you traveled and you put all that time in, you put all the time to practice, right? You want to accelerate to the next level, right? And so I started trying to find places that kind of fit my ideal, right? Mm -hmm. So, and I met a coach, his name is Jay Mosley. He's now the head coach at Ohio State University. Um, And he, I still stay in contact with him now. Um, I met him when I was in seventh grade or eighth grade. Yeah. I played with a kid named Jimmy Beck who mm-hmm. plays on the Latin America tour. Um, he still travels a little bit, plays many tours around, um, play with him as an eighth grader. And he was in, uh, he was just about to sign his, his, uh, letter of intent. Letter of intent. That's right. Yeah. Sorry. 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 Um, yeah. Letter of intent. And I actually played with him in the state junior championship and Jay Mosley was following us in that group. And, that's how I got to know Jay. And then I started to get to know him at a personal level, and he really recruited me to Kennesaw State. The reason why I chose Jay was because of the like-mindedness that I had with him. Um, one being spiritual, meaning biblical. Just had, We had the same ideas. Just just really became good friends on the off the golf course. Um, obviously, the, the rules of I've changed with NCAA, so like communication has changed nowadays. But like back then, we could talk a little bit more and – but I, I just got close with him, and he came and watched me at several golf tournaments, and you know, and I thought that was the best place for me, and I chose a Kennesaw State over in Auburn. And you know what's funny is we beat them for the first three years I was at Kennesaw, so I was okay with that. Yeah, touche, right? Yeah. Well, that, we're going to talk about in, in future podcasts about how do you pick out a coach. So that was really interesting how you talked about that, lining your like qualities with your coach. That makes a lot of sense. So, Cal, um, I've known you forever, it seems. Um, what was your aha moment? Hmm. I went down. So I was in, I think I was in ninth grade. I was in eighth grade, actually, and I was invited to the Golf Week East Coast Invitational somewhere south Florida. I can't necessarily pinpoint exactly where it was. Um, I arrived there having no business of playing any good, honestly, at all. I, it was a 
I was invited to the tournament. I was definitely wasn't one of the best players there. Uh, in the first nine holes, I think I shot four under, and it was kind of just like a freak accident. I got it just happened, and I had a decision to make there. I decided that I was going to act like I knew what I was doing. Like I, I had to act like I'd I'd been there before, and so I think right there, after that round, uh, I kind of stumbled coming home. I was a young <laughs> I was a young buck who had no idea what he was really doing. But I kind of just did it, and it only took one time for me. I felt like I felt like once I got it, I got the first round, the first good round out of out of the way. I felt like I just kind of molded to that behavior from for a while. It's so funny how you get addicted to that feeling. One hundred percent. Everyone does. It's like finishing on a par, birdie, bogey, whatever skill level. You go like, all right, that was easy. I'm gonna do it again tomorrow. I'm gonna establish the tea time. Exactly. Yeah. I just felt like. Once I realized what it took just to do it one time, I felt like I could definitely do it again. Plus, that was a lot easier than falling off the motorbikes that you'd, you'd hurdle over jumps and, exactly. and dooms and stuff like that. Yeah, dirt bikes definitely can get you get you hurt for oh, sure. Cal, I'd rather stick to four wheels instead of two wheels. He'd be out there. He'd be the one of those kids that would be jumping off the seat and dangling on the seat and then jumping back on, you know, That's and then wild. landing down in that big old smile he's got. Yeah, look at me. Yeah, I think the motocross background definitely helped too, because I didn't, I wasn't scared of much. Little Ricky Fowler. Little yeah, Ricky Fowler. There you go. There you no go. wonder he goes for far fives and two. You know, two hundred ninety <laughs> yards into the wind, carrying the hazard, two hundred eighty-seven yards. Right? I'm going for it. You got to risk sense. it to get the biscuit. You know. That's it. Yeah. So, Quinn, question for you: How did you line up this all-star teaching cast? In oh. my opinion, we got a great we got a great group of teachers here at Apex Golf Lab. So, how did you how did you get us all lined up I, and on the just, same team? You know, just a little bit of luck. Um, it, you know, like the story we talked about UKB. So, you know, I was doing a little consulting work in Chicago for Scott and I, and uh, I happened to meet you there, and we had dinner and pizza. And, and of course, my lo- my wife fell in love with you from the get go, and she, you know, say you should you should hire this guy. And I go, I said her on the way back, why? She says because he's so good with people. And what we do is we teach people, but we have to be coaches have to have compassion. They got to be able to know when to kick them in the butt and all that, and you displayed that. So I knew from the get go I needed to to find you and and hire you, and so I had that opportunity a year ago August to do that. So that that was really simple. It, uh, with Wyatt, it was just luck. It, it really was. So Wyatt's got a mutual friend of ours, Zach Lear, um, that uh, kept on whispering ears. Hey, this this kid's really talented. He's not only talented in golf, but he's talented in teaching. And he's starting to do this. He fell in love with this uh, girl out of Fort Wayne. He, he went to school with her down there at school in, in Atlanta. He he comes back up, and then he worked at Sycamore, and he worked in another establishment. And then I, I just kind of reached out to uh, to Wyatt and said, uh, hey, Wyatt, let's talk about coming here. And, you know, after the first five minutes of spending time with Wyatt, I knew he would be a perfect fit because of his background in golf, his passion for excellence. It was just Really simple. Callahan was the easiest, okay? Because so all, all the years I owned golf courses, I would look at the juniors who are hanging around my place, and I look at their mannerisms and how they would behave. And then as they matured where they have a driver's license, I'd say, yeah, that's a kid I'm going to hire, put away carts, to pick the range balls or that, or that's a kid I want nothing to do with. Well, I've, I've had the fortune to be with Callahan since he's been eighth grade. So I, and his parents and understand the whole family, it was really simple. So when Callahan chose not to uh, – pursue his fifth year with what went on with COVID and, 
and the NCAAs, and he, he approached me. And we, matter of fact, we talked about this about a year ago. I said, Cal, what do you want to do with your life? He says, well, I want to play. Like any collegiate player that goes off to college wants to play. And um, when he realized that, you know, maybe that's a little bit more of a slippery slope from where I want to be at right now, but I, I really want to teach. Um, so we kept in contact with that. And, and Callahan has just those great coaching qualities. He's he's so invested in his players. I watch him how he teaches. He's just – he's. Uh, we're just so blessed to have them. So I, I was lucky on all three of those KBs. That was super nice, Quinn. I appreciate it for sure. Um, I also felt like it was super easy. I feel like ever since I met you, which was in eighth grade, I feel like you've kind of been a, a home for me. And no matter where you've been pre-Apex Golf Lab or now with Apex Golf Lab, I feel like I've always had a solid foundation of solid home and someone who always cares about me. And I think that's what I've been looking for in a coach. And that's kind of what I try to uh, emulate with my players and my students. I try to kind of bring them the same vibes that we that we cultivated a long time ago. Yeah, no question, Cal. Yeah, for me, it's like I'm just happy to have somebody that wants to invest time in me and uh, wants to believe in me and put time forward. Um, just means a lot, and it makes me want to work harder to be better. It does, for sure. Yeah. It's a motivating feeling, knowing that someone has put in their time, their energy, their effort. They lose sleep over how you play golf. I mean, that's a very... Um, com- that's a very comforting feeling, knowing that someone really, really, really cares. And I always felt that with Quinn, and that's kind of like why we stuck together for so long. Yeah, people definitely, they respond different when they know you care about them. If you're invested in a student or a player or a friend, whoever it may be, you're going you're gonna to get more out of it than when you're just kind of, oh, you blow it off. Like, oh, yeah, it's just another yeah. just another thing. Before before Apex Golf Lab, what what exactly were it was, how did it come to fruition? Well, that's interesting. So, like I said, you know, I was in golf course ownership for 25 years, and I've always taught. Um, but uh, when I decided to kind of I, – I aspired to play in the Champions Tour, and I got my conditional card in 10. And, um, and then after going through that fiasco, which is challenging, it's the toughest card to get on the planet, you know, I won the first stage, and then I went to the second stage, and I missed by two shots getting my full exempt card. And um, – then I did that whole year of doing Monday qualifiers and all that. At the end of the year, I was just kind of laying in bed and kind of like at 3 o'clock in the morning I wake up and I got I looked at Francie and I wake her up and she's going, what, what's going on? Everything all right? I says, no, I says, God is telling me to inspire. I don't know what that means. She says, Quinn, you need to teach young men. Go back to bed. So, <laughs> so I, I, I didn't know what that meant totally and as I thought about it. And so I, I, what I really wanted to do is I wanted to take the, all the lessons I learned as a teacher and try to give a shortcut, not an unrealistic shortcut, but a shortcut to these young players. And th- that's where I started perceiving Apex. And, and well, Core 4, and it's the first name was Core 4 by Quinn Griffin because I thought it was going to just be me and two students, Callahan and Cameron Cook. I thought those were going to be my only, and Ellis Yoder, those were going to be my three students. And and so I thought the four value systems was cause and effect. You know, what's going on in the, the swing and then fitness, what's going on in the body, and then golf IQ, how do you how you play on the golf course, and then nutrition, are you feeding yourself? And, and so I had that vision, and I, it just played out, and then I got fortunate enough to – cross paths with Dr. Russell. We had very similar thoughts uh, about how you, you know, develop an athlete. And so here we are, 2018, we're opening up this facility here at uh, the Ash Center, you know, 5,000 square feet in, in here with four track bands and Robo Golf Pro and two body tracks and, and K-Vest that shows, uh, you know, awareness and space of biomechanics. And we got a 
over 12,000 square foot field house where we can go in there and work with our wedges. And then we got Ellie that can train a player with TPI. And then we got Sarah's coming on staff here from a nutritional standpoint. It's just unbelievable what we can do here. So it's uh, it's just like a dream that came true. And then I just then need to fill up the teachers. And that's why you guys came apart. I think that, uh, you know, with, with being here and everything, like you really can advance your game, right? Like you can dive into every atmosphere. You can go into nutrition. You can go into workouts. You can go really just customize your schedule, right? And so, I mean, to you, what is like the, the most important thing that comes out of Apex though? Like what's... Well, I think that holistic approach to making a complete athlete, you know, um, I kind of just lightly talked about Ellie and what she does, but OPS, you know, the physical training, we see that, you know, Bryson DeChambeau, he's 150th in fairway hits and he's number one in scoring. You know, Jim Furyk is number one in fairway hits and he's 44 in scoring. So physical fitness is here. And if you're not a part of that, you're going to get left behind. And that's where Dr. Russell and his team, it just, just does a phenomenal job. I mean, we have all these athletes in this building, you know, basketball, football, baseball, soccer, you name it, they're in the building here. So, you know, I, I really like the fact that we really have a team because I felt like when core four was established, I was all four corners, which was fine when I had 10 students, but now as many students we teach, I like the fact that I can swim the lane. You guys can swim in your lane of expertise. And we can have Ellie swim in her lanes of expertise uh, of being the fitness. We can have Sarah swim in her lanes of being the nutritionist. Dr. Russell swim in his lanes with with the overall viewpoint of our, our fitness in here. So yeah, it really helps us in that. Yeah, this building is huge for allowing everyone to specialize and do what they do best. I mean, yeah, I, definitely. I mean, the, the core four lines up exactly what we with what we offer here at Apex. I mean, you have all four cornerstones exactly like you started back at Donald Ross. It's now just transplanted into a new higher tech facility, but bigger really and better. Help. Exactly. It's but like it's kind of like better. elevated, right? We elevated exactly. we elevated what was happening with core four and just turned it into Apex well, Golf Lab. You've elevated yourself coming here to Apex, KB. I can tell you that. So, coming from baseball, yeah, you know, what are the things that you can transfer? Well, that's a great, great question, Wyatt. There's a lot of differences uh, between baseball and golf, but there's also a lot of similarities. One of the biggest differences is it's a team sport versus an individual sport. So in baseball, you might be able to blame a couple things on the teammates, but as far as golf, it's all about what you're doing. You know, So if you make a mistake, it's all on you versus a team, team effort. You can kind of push a little bit of that off on some other people. Um, and then the biggest thing from like a mental aspect other than that would be the thought process. So baseball, hockey, whatever, most other sports, tennis, the ball or the puck is moving at you, right? Golf is the only sport where the ball is sitting still and some people still can't find a way to hit it, right? So it's definitely been a crazy transfer, but I've loved every minute of it and it's cool to see the way that the baseball swing transfers to the golf swing as far as different swing planes and stuff like that as well. Did your work ethic transfer from baseball to golf? My work ethic definitely did. I think that's one thing that I try to pride myself in is putting in a lot of work uh, on my game. I've definitely had a tough time, I'd say. I'm, I'm more of a – I would call myself a late bloomer in golf. I definitely played baseball a lot more competitively to start. And then I tried to transfer my training to baseball and how I went about it over to my golf game. And so that's transferred. It's just slowly but surely learning it, learning every step of the way, you know. I hear you. I understand. I mean, coming from a, a very competitive background – you know, and another point that I want to talk about is, is, you know, like when it comes to junior golf, and this is something I want to direct towards Cal, 
what was your biggest hurdle in golf? Like as a junior golfer, right? He's talking about work ethic. What, what, you know, what, yeah. did, what did it take to be a great junior golfer and then transfer that? Well, I would say I luckily, I don't know who to thank for this. I felt like I had a pretty solid work ethic from day one. You did. Uh, I think that was my dad. Still do. Yeah. I think my dad kind of incorporated that into me, but uh, my biggest struggle had nothing to do with golf, which was the most frustrating thing for me. It was, uh, I mean, I guess it did have something to do with golf, but it had nothing to do with my golf game physically. It was all mental. Um, for a period of time there, I felt like my golf scores kind of were like my identity, and I really struggled with that, especially when I played poorly. Uh, I, I can remember being on in several tournaments and not playing well and thinking to myself, like, I wonder what my mom might think, some, think of me, or I wonder, Quinn and I have spent so much time together, I wonder what he thinks of me, or like, my playing partners or these college coaches or I mean I just couldn't I couldn't be okay with playing poorly and moving on I can concur yeah Yeah, it was difficult it was so difficult it was so 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 difficult but and I'm not sure how I got how I moved through that necessarily I think it just took time and I think it just took like a solid understanding like hey I am Callahan Elsey away from the golf course and I'm Callahan Elsey on the golf course and I can separate myself I think that was a very freeing feeling for me I felt like there was a weight that had been lifted off my chest. It's crazy how that is when you're a kid. You're like, you hit a golf shot. And the first thing you look for, where's my dad? Exactly, 100%. And the, the craziest thing to me was one time my dad, so my dad's played, or my dad has been to every single tournament I've ever played in except for one. And uh, the one time he wasn't there, it was my freshman year, played a really good round. And the entire time, it w- didn't even feel like I was playing golf because my dad wasn't there. I was just waiting, wishing just look. I, every time I hit a shot, I'd look over and just be like, oh, if my dad was here, he would have loved that. Exactly. So, yeah, it's crazy what you do for your parents. And not only that, but, I mean, as a young golfer, you definitely put higher – I mean, I did as, as, a young, as a young baseball player. I put high expectations on myself. I definitely I, – I still do that to this day. Um, but it helps you grow, and then you kind of kind of got to work through that, you know? So Yeah, and I think the, the, the key term that you just said was expectations, right? I think that there's – when you look into things like with when it comes to junior golfers and – and, and heck, a, a golfer in general, like, you look at your expectations and you think you're going to accomplish that. And when you don't, like, it's just like this big downer, right? And I think that's something that we're going to, that, that's definitely something we're going to discuss in the, going forward. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, I think that everybody here can have, like, some type of input into that. And uh, I think um, we'll, we'll really dive into that and discuss it and yeah, because you gotta be able to you gotta be able to set goals and expectations that you can reach. I mean, you don't want to have stuff that's all over the place where you're you're gonna get down yourself if you don't reach these goals. You know, so you kind of hurt your um, self esteem if you don't if you don't make that that transition to that goal. Um, Callahan, I got a quick question for you. So, why did you decide to get into teaching other than um, turning pro after you finished college? But what what drives you to be a good teacher, and what made you decide to get into the teaching aspect of golf? Uh, I felt like growing up, I was lucky to have a good teacher. I knew a lot of people who didn't have that. And I felt early on, watching Quinn and being with Quinn for so long, I mean, I spent so much time watching him do what he does. And he was very, 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 very good at what he does. And so I kind of used what I learned from him and started applying it to, like, my friends 
before I long before I was teaching, I just started kind of like teaching my friends what Quinn was teaching me. Side business. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> just was no not making any money at all. Just Start doing some it. Royalties just, on that. Kid. Just doing it for fun. <laughs> <laughs> but it it worked. It was crazy. It was the craziest thing. What Quinn would tell me somehow, and maybe it's, this is just pure luck, but I would. Uh, I would offer some of the advice to my friends, and somehow it would work. Repackage it. Exactly. <laughs> Repackage <laughs> yeah. Regift. I was. It was a regift, pretty much. It was Quinn would give me the gift. I would take the gift over to my buddies, ten or ten of them or so. Yeah. And ma- it would work with several of them. And the immediate feedback you get from watching someone that you have just given advice, watching them succeed after just giving them advice, is one of the most soul enriching experience experiences of all time like watching someone do something they've never done before because of something that you told them oh yeah is a feeling like i've never felt before and so i think really early on i kind of caught that bug i love that i think that the thing that i enjoy the most about quinn from my my point of view i've only you know obviously known him for like five months now is the experience part right i can I can validate what he says by his experience, right? Yeah, for sure. You know, he's played in major championships. He's he's played around the world. He's done he's done some great things. So, my main, you know, I have a question for him, and it's, you know, what is it like to play in a major champ? Because I want to do that one day. Yeah, that's like one of my biggest all, goals. We all want to do that, definitely. right? And and it, you know, tell us which ones you played in, and what it was like to cross those ropes, hit balls next to the best players in history that are probably more than likely in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what is it like? I wanted more. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's just unbelievable. You don't know whether to bring a diaper or bring your sh- <laughs> <laughs> or bring your pants, you know, yeah. because there's Both. there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of things that go through your mind. So I, I played in the 2004 uh, PGA Championship at Whistling Straits, and I was fortunate enough on Tuesday night, I, I remember the story, and I tell the story quite often, I'm on the putting green, you know, because I've, I've always been a hard worker. And the sun's going down, and there's a guy at the en- other end of the putting green. It's VJ, w- who ended up winning the tournament. And so I go down there and talk to VJ, and I just that just kind of lifted me up that you know he would spend time talking to me. So playing the major is just um, there's nothing like it because. Uh, and then the other one was the 2014 Senior U.S. Open at Oak Tree, um, where they played a PJ Championship there as well. And things about the majors is they'll make you look stupid if your game's just a little bit off because the conditions are so demanding, the speeds and the firmness and the rough and all the variables going on and the pin locations. I mean, I, I made a decision at Whistling Straits. I was not going to even acknowledge where the pin was. I was going to look to the fattest part of the green and not even believe where the pin was and not hit away from it because I felt like if I missed a shot, at least I had somewhat an opportunity to not look stupid. But uh, interesting, uh, uh, those were definitely highlights, no question about it. Um, winning uh, tour school, uh, my last go around, the uh, first stage in Orlando was really cool. So those are some high points. And a lot of work went behind the scenes, and you guys get that. you got to do a lot of work behind the scenes for stuff that show up. And we're in a sport that it fails more time than it succeeds. And that's the thing I try to teach these kids, uh, try to teach Callahan and a lot of really great players that I've had the opportunity to teach is you're going to fail more than you're ever going to succeed. So what's going to define you as a player is how you accept failure. Because what makes a great player is a great attitude. 100%. It's, it's not your skill set of hitting the golf ball, putting and chipping. It's your attitude. Your attitude is going to define how you punch the finish line. Yeah, 100%. Quinn, I feel like the work that we did with my attitude and 
you the way that you kind of like instilled in me that event eventually you instilled in me and it took some time uh just understanding that failure is inevitable in this game and it is going to happen and once we were kind of able to understand that and you lodged that into my tiny tiny little brain I felt like I had a much better I had a much better foundation to play good golf on a consistent basis understanding that hey Naturally, this game is as difficult as it gets, and every day is different. There's The golf course will never be the same. You'll never probably ever hit a sa- the same exact shot ever again, and that this game at its core is just really, really, really tough, and understanding that I think is the first step towards playing some good golf and doing it often. Yeah, I've always described it as like if I wake up on the right side of the bed, probably hitting fades. <laughs> on the left side, hitting draws. I wish I had that clear picture. <laughs> I know, right? That, that's not there. So why? What about the middle of the van? Right. Yeah, hitting it straight, right? In the middle. <laughs> I mean, people don't find themselves in that position very often, yeah, but, yeah. but yeah. So as a style, as a coach, now here you are now a coach. You got this opportunity to mentor adults. You get this opportunity to mentor young players. You know, this wonderful young player you're coaching right now. What's the style of coach you want to be? I want to be the coach that uh, is hard and very blunt when it comes to time to, like, realize attitude, right? How you carry yourself on the golf course is a big part of how you're going to play. Like, I think that, you know, if you make a bogey or you make a birdie, you should have the same attitude, right? Um, No one should know exactly what score you're shooting by far. Like, I think that, you know, a a bogey here, a bogey there – doesn't really matter. It's how you come out of it, right? And that's what uh, that's what I'm trying to teach Alex is is honestly because he's 12 years old, he's competing for the best player in the state. In my opinion, he is, and I think that as long as he keeps his attitude and his uh, work ethic in check, and he's competing and, and practices the correct way, and practices the things he's not good at, that and I, that's I think that's a big hurdle that a lot of kids don't get in their head from the beginning is practicing the things they're not good at because it's when they walk down, what is it? It's not fun. No, no, no. That, that's, that's the big thing is like understanding the fact that there's going to be things that you're not good at. But when that happens on the golf course, like if the ball ends up in a certain place, you're going to go, okay, what am I supposed to do here? Right. You know, like you're going to sit there and question yourself. Right. And that, that loss of that loss of confidence is might be the place that you trip up and that might cost you a golf tournament. Might even it might even cost you like a a place in in Q school, or a place on the PGA tour, or your whole life. Yeah, correct. It could be anywhere. Yeah. Correct. Right. So the big thing is is what I'm saying is is like as long as I can help him start to realize the things that he needs to work on, work on his weaknesses and the things that he's not good at, but then also carry himself in a way that things do not interrupt his stride. We're gonna make we're gonna go places. Yeah, so carrying yourself the same as a birdie or a bogey, Wyatt. As far as you comparing yourself to some of your junior players, do you see any similarities and differences in the way that you carried yourself versus them? You know, I. that's why I, I want to make a difference as a coach. I just feel like I kind of let things get to me very fast and like kind of reverse and go back to what something that Cal said, allowing a score to pick who I am, right? So, like, my identity is linked to a score, and that's what I, I let get to me, and that's what I've been really, 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 really trying to drive home with Alex um, and, and, and any junior player. I think 
I think that because of what their expectations with their parents and the people around them, their golf coaches. See, I, I really don't care what Alex shoots. As long as he's competing with himself and he's being the best person he is on the golf course and he's not being a jerk to his playing competitors and he's excelling in what he does best, and that's golf. Like, as long as he's giving 100% and he's not hurting the people around him and he has a good attitude, I could care less how he does. Yeah. Because that's all that matters. Correct. If you're playing the game, if you're showing up, trying to play the best game that you possibly can play, I mean, there's really nothing else that you can do. There's nothing else that you can ask for. It's like, today, I showed up, I tried as hard as I could, I had the best attitude that I could, and I don't know. Necessarily, maybe today didn't go so well, but hey, if you're able to carry that same attitude all the time, 100%, and carry that over... Shouldn't be too big of a deal. Yeah, not only that, but that's that's not only a golf lesson, that's a life lesson as 100%. well. 100%. We, we're not only about teaching golf lessons, we also teach some life lessons to youth as well. Um, Wyatt, one more thing. As far as what drove you as a player, young player? You know, I had a my golf coach from a young age, um, since I was probably five, five, yeah, at River Pines Golf Course uh, in uh, Johns Creek, Georgia. His name's Craig Forney. He's still at uh, River Club down in Johns Creek as well. Uh, he's just down the road from where he, where I met him. Um, there was one time where he he was on a, a time where he was at a different course called St. Marlowe. And um, I came out to the golf course. And this was really when I started just starting to, to edge my way into competitive golf and started to travel and started to experience what it's like to live out of a suitcase. And he goes, he said, do you want to know what it's like to be on the road and start to compete? and what it takes to be the best player that you possibly can be. He's like, look at where he's at now. And there's this golfer sitting on the putting green. And he was a mini tour player at the time. He came around the corner, and he was sitting on the putting green. That's when he said, look at where he's at right now. Five hours, six hours later, I'd hit like four buckets of balls, five buckets of balls. I was, I was insane. I, that was just one of the things that I was just, I, dr- I was driven to be perf- like perfect. So I loved hitting a lot of golf balls. And, I finish up those three and four buckets of golf balls, and yeah. I come back. And that same guy is sitting on the putting green. In the exact same spot. Yeah, exact same working. spot, right? Yeah. And so I go by, and, and Craig goes, he's like, take notice where he's at. <laughs> so we come back the next morning. Where's that guy at? Putting green. Same exact spot. <laughs> same exact spot. And I'll never forget that those, I guess, 16 or 17 hours, 24 hours, whatever it was, of that time that the guy was spending on the putting green and how much he actually worked at the game compared. To, and I felt like I put in a lot of time. Yeah, That guy put in more. And from that point on, I was addicted to the fact that I had to put in the time and the effort. And I thought that that was the best thing possible. That was where my work ethic came from. Yeah. I thought I had to be like that to play on tour and be the best person I could be on the golf course. That's a great aha moment that happened to you as far as that work ethic and you noticing that guy on the putting green for hours and hours, really putting that uh, into his game. Uh, Quinn, what about your work ethic? Is there any is there anything that happened as far as an aha moment for you in your golf experience? Yeah, you know, um, my dad always challenged me to be the best I can by my work ethic, so that was kind of instilled young. But probably by far my aha moment came at, at Christmas break, my freshman year, my coach, uh, Country Carl, we called him, called me in the office uh, at uh, school, and and uh, with his voice, he's so funny, he goes, Graphine, 
You're not living up to the expectation of the program. I go, Coach, I'm working really hard. I'll do whatever it takes. That's not good enough. I'm going to renounce your scholarship. And I looked at him like a deer in headline. I go, Coach, what's renounce mean? He says, take away. And I'm telling you, I just, I, I almost wet my pants uh, like this. And so he let me out of the office, and he basically said, either I step up my game for springtime or I'm done. I'm down the road packing my bag. Well, that was not going to happen. It was not. So I, uh, I called my, my dad and said, Dad, I'm not coming home for Christmas. I'm staying down here. My coach wants to renounce my scholarship, and just for the record, that means take away because I just learned that term, okay? <laughs> and so um, I went out to the, the golf course where we, we played out of, and there's a guy by the name Randy Smitty. Randy um, played the tour and um, really made a difference and really impacted, uh, I saw, the, the youth, quiet, young, uh, quiet man. And so <clears throat> I went up to Randy. He said, Randy, I, my coach wants to take my scholarship. He wants to kick me back to back Midwest. I, I can't let that happen. What should I do? He says, I'll see you at the range at 7 a.m., so, of course, I'm thinking I'm going to be smart. I grew up in a Vince Lombardi house that meant 7 o'clock meant 6.45. And so I decided to get out to, to the range at 6.45 a.m. So I'm driving down the entrance, and at the end of the range, I'm seeing this puff of smoke. Randy smoked, and he's there waiting for me. And so he really, um, that was an aha moment for me. He invested in me, never asked me for any financials or any stuff like that. And we spent every day over Christmas break learning how to play uh, desert golf, you want to call it, out there in the Southwest. So that was definitely my aha moment. Yeah, hitting that desert golf with that hard pan, you got to flight the ball low. I sucked. <laughs> <laughs> how long did it take you for you to, to figure it out? Yeah. Well, you know, interesting. It, it definitely takes time. And um, I finally got in my first collegiate match, my last tournament of the year before we went into, into the tournament. And I was the medalist on my team, and I was so proud of that. You know, probably finished middle of the pack of the of the whole tournament, but I was I beat all those other guys that were making fun of me. And then he continued to be my coach all the way through college. And then I, uh, you know, went on my uh, my uh, sophomore year and, and made the team, and not made the team, but made the top five. That's fantastic, and I think what we're gonna find as this podcast goes on. You're going to see very interesting uh, looks at how we've all done things over the years in golf and just our experiences. And I think I think not just our experiences alone, but the facts and stuff behind all of the research that's been done when it comes to how you can play the best golf that you can play. Um, so, I mean, from all of us, what do you think? What do you think is the single best thing that you're going to take away from this podcast over the next time, like this ten, the tenure of the podcast? I'd say all of our listeners uh, definitely take away a lot of different things. One of the main ones would be the mental aspect of golf. We're really to talk about the behind the scenes, uh, how to carry yourself on the golf course, how to make smart decisions, and then everything else leading up to after golf. If you play a bad round, how do you accept that? How do you deal with failure? I feel like listeners can really draw a lot of conclusions from the experience that we've all had. We've all been playing this game for a super long time, competitively and non-competitively, just learning, studying, practicing the game. And I really feel like the experience, the experience that we have all had can really tie into what the listeners are feeling as well as the guests that we have on our show. 
Definitely, 100%. And we all and we all as instructors have different teaching styles. I know me personally, I have a style of more of uh, framing it up multiple different ways to a student so that they can really determine what works for their learning curve. Some people are auditory, visual, feel. It all depends on what that specific player, how they learn. And then from there, that's kind of how I base my teaching style of what works for them and then how I can explain it to where that'll benefit from them that the most. The smart teachers do what you do, KB. They understand the learning style. That's really important. They do that in classrooms with, with educators, understand how the child is going to learn. Definitely, definitely. Well, I mean, you can explain something to someone 15 different ways, but out of those 15 ways, only one of them might work. So that's the, that's the key is give them multiple different ways to think about that new thought process, their new golf IQ, whatever it may be, and then help them incorporate in that game on a daily basis. So to wrap up, thank you guys all for listening. This one's been about who we are as coaches and individuals, and we really hope you guys subscribe and leave us a comment. So signing off, this is KB. Thanks, guys, for listening. It's Wyatt. It's been a blast. This is Cal. Treat. Hey, this is Quinn. Have a good one, guys. Yep. See ya. See you, bye.